welcome to the first official episode of Future Voices, a podcast dedicated to talking to people revolutionizing their fields. I'm Rachel Adams. And I'm Ida Smiley. So Ida, I'm super excited for today's episode. What do we have coming up? Today we're talking about improv comedy with Vancouver-based improviser, educator, and producer Amy Shostak. In Vancouver, Amy teaches improvisation with Blind Tiger Comedy and performs weekly with Little Mountain Improv. She is an organizer of the Vancouver Improv Festival and tours regularly with her improv duos Raw Power with Jolene Ballandine and Amy and Tom with Tom Hill. Amy is part of a Canadian Comedy Award-nominated sketch duo, Gossamer Obsessions. So how did you come about finding Amy as a guest? I met Amy through Blind Tiger Comedy, Vancouver-based improv and sketch comedy school. Amy was my instructor when I took a class to intro to improv in the summer. I love the class. I think improv is a great way to engage in comedy or even make your conversational skills sharper and really have you thinking on your toes. This episode covers Amy's path into improv, some of her highlights and challenges she's had to overcome. I don't really know much about the improv community, so I'm excited to discover more about that side of comedy. Well, here's my interview with Amy Shostak. Amy, thank you so much for being here. I'm so grateful to have you on our podcast. Just to get started, I would love to know a bit about your improv journey and how you got started. Well, I started improvising in high school, and before that, I would go and watch uh, improv in Edmonton. So I used to go watch theater sports at Rapid Fire Theater, and this improvised soap opera that's been running for like 20 years called Dynasty. And I was in like grade 10, and me and my friends would go, and we'd watch like three improv shows a week, and we were like obsessed with it. And it was a great thing because it's something that like young people can do um, you know, you didn't have to be 18 to go, you could be any age. So we would go and we'd hang out at the theater and we'd watch these shows and it was really inspiring to me and I, I never thought I could do it, but I, I loved watching it. I thought it was like so spontaneous and so inspiring. And then when I was in grade 12, my drama teacher was like, we're going to put together an improv team. And I think she knew that I watched improv all the time. Oh, wow. And uh, I was kind of like a shy kid. I was always like, I was always in drama, but I was usually in the chorus or like hanging back or doing a supporting role. So I think she asked me to do it and it was kind of a chance to like, oh my gosh, like with improv, you can't depend on someone else to be the star. You kind of have to go for it. So that's how I started improvising and yeah, I fell in love with it. That's awesome. And that's nice that she knew that and was there to give you that push as well from so then from high school how did you take you know engaging in that passion and starting to try improv to deciding okay this is something that I want to and can pursue yeah I started doing classes with rapid fire theater in Edmonton and um, I did a few classes and at the time they were just the company was really short on performers in general and really short on women performers. So I got brought into the company when I was 17, which now I think about it, I'm like, that's wild. I would never <laughs> suggest anyone do that now, but um, I got to start doing shows every Friday and we just did the opening like 10 minutes of the show. 
but it was uh, really formative and like I think the best way to learn improv is to just do it. It was really scary, but um, that's how it started. And then from there, I just was part of the company and slowly like moved through kind of the ranks and then started doing some admin work and teaching and eventually became artistic director. So really just through nice. sticking it up. <laughs> yeah. From, you know, being an artistic director in improv, what does that look like? Ooh, good question. Yeah. An artistic director, basically um, their job is to like program everything. So decide what kinds of shows are going to be done to work on casting the ensemble um, really all the creative stuff that an improv company does is what an artistic director does. So cool. yeah, it, I did that for six years. It was like one of my favorite jobs ever because I just got to really take risks. And I felt like Rapid Fire is such a cool organization because it's a nonprofit and they have a really supportive board. So I got to try a bunch of stuff and be like, oh, what if we do a festival that's just all weird ideas? And they were like, <laughs> Okay. So I feel like I had a lot of freedom, like creative freedom. And um, so, yeah, it was just a really positive experience to get to work with an awesome ensemble and program these shows and really feel like we're all in this together, like win or lose, like whether this show is going to be a success or not is really on, on all of us. And that that's a really cool feeling. Yeah, that's wonderful. Do you remember your first few shows when you started and what was that like? Oh my gosh. I was, well, I still get really nervous like to this day. And I, I think I've been improvising now for like 19 years or something. And I uh-huh. still get super nervous. And so those shows, I was just like sickeningly nervous. Like <laughs> I remember being backstage and being like, I can't do this. I can't. And then you'd get called out. It's that feeling of like falling forward where you have to just do it. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, I remember being like really frozen at times on stage where I just, I didn't know what to say. And I had some really like, I have some really strong memories. One, one is um, I started a scene and I was on stage alone and that still freaks me out even though it shouldn't. Oh my God, that really freaks me out. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember it was like, the lighting technician had like a blue light and I was standing in the middle of the stage alone. And at the time we used to just sell out our shows all the time. So it was like 175 people just like, you know, watching. Mm -hmm. And I remember standing in the middle of the stage, looking around and like, no one was coming in. And I, I looked at a watch, like a mime watch as if I was waiting for someone. And then I remember after the show, my artistic director, Jacob, at the time, he came up to me and he was like, don't ever look at a watch on stage. You don't have to wait for anything. You just have to do something. And I was Mm. like, that's such good advice. And it sticks with me to this day. But it was just like a moment of just, I don't know what to do. And uh, yeah, but then like, as you know, it's like, with more reps, things become more natural and you're able to start like, okay, I am going to start a scene and I'm going to make a choice and it gets easier as you go. But um, yeah, I remember just being so terrified. And I think especially because I have, it's strange because now I feel like I've cultivated like an extroverted personality, but I think 
there's a part of me that's very shy. And so, uh, yeah, so it's kind of just getting over yourself. I mean, that's what a lot of improv is, is like stripping away fear and being like, hey, there's really nothing to be afraid of. Yeah. Um, but that's what all, I think all of improv is all about is like, like, yeah, taking away fear of judgment and allowing you to just make choices. So yeah, a lot of my early memories are definitely colored by by fear. <laughs> right. And I mean, fair enough in standing on a stage alone sounds terrifying, I think for everybody. <laughs> so what do you do now? You mentioned that you still get nervous. And I remember when we were doing our classes or even the show, even though it was virtual, I'm at home, there's no, nothing to fear, but you still get like so hot and nervous and you, all those feelings come up. How do you work with that, um, maybe we can call it stage fright, or what are ways maybe that you are now, like tools or ways that you hype yourself up to kind of work with that? Yeah, I find um, like pre-show rituals really fascinating. And I think for everyone, they're really different. Um, for me, like some of the best advice I ever got is from a clown teacher I had. And he said, basically like, you're as ready as you could possibly be. Like, no matter what you did before this, like whether you warmed up physically or you did your hair really nice or you ate dinner or not, um, this is just how you have to be. Like you don't have a choice. So you might as well just embrace where you're at and just, yeah. Go. So I find that really comforting. And I usually like try and take a breath before the show and be like, okay, I'm, this is where I'm at. And whether the show is good or bad, whatever that means, I'm just going to embrace it and, and go with it because I feel like so much of my life has been trying to control, like I'm in the perfect mood. I'm like, well slept. I like, me too. we're like dressed the same. We feel good. We feel confident. And ultimately it doesn't matter. You can't control whether you have a good show or not. So I think it's about like really practicing being in the moment and being like, okay, I'm cranky or I'm stressed or I'm nervous and just kind of allowing that feeling to happen. Because if you don't, then it'll, you can't hide anything in improv is what I always say. So if you're feeling like stressed, it's like the audience can tell. So you might as well just embrace it and be like, wow, I'm stressed. <laughs> and then you know, pass, like it might pass as the show goes on. So that's basically what I do. I'm backstage. I take a breath and I, I'm like, okay, let's do this. I'm ready. And me and my, one of my duo partners, Jolene, when we tour together, we have a, we love getting ready together. So we just like Aww. meet like two hours before the show and like chat and like do our makeup and do our hair and get dressed. And that's kind of our best warm up is just like chatting about the day, catching up and it just makes us feel connected before the show. So I think yeah. forever is different, but those are my two favorite things to do. Those are wonderful. And that was something that you had taught me in your class was just breathing through it. I guess bringing you back to the moment, but also I really, you do kind of stop breathing deeply or calmly when you're just trying to think of what you want to say next or what you're doing. So I think always remembering to breathe was really helpful and probably getting ready with Jolene is then you're not in your head thinking too much. Also, you just have somebody there that you can talk it through. So that's nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Oh, yes. Okay. So then from performing improv, what inspired you to then begin teaching improv? Well, like so many things in my life, it's like someone just pushed me out of the nest and was like, you should just do it. <laughs> I'd say I'm never the person that's like, 
I can do this. It's always <laughs> else being like, you can do this. And I'm like, okay, reluctantly. So yeah, I started teaching and I love it. It, it honestly, to me, it's it's pretty, it's close to performing. I think I like performing maybe like 10% better, but hmm. um, I love teaching. And I think there's something really special about seeing people experience improv for the first time that, that brings me so much joy, like almost as much as having like the best show ever. Aww. Just seeing people experience what it feels like for the first time and be so collaborative and creative together. And I just... I love it. Basically, I just started teaching public classes at Rapid Fire and then got to teach at Blind Tiger, where I teach now in Vancouver. And I get to tour and teach workshops. And teaching is really cool because, you know, sometimes you're teaching with a curriculum at a school, but other times you get to craft your own workshops and be like, this is a topic I'm really passionate about. So I love that part too. And I feel like so many improvisers are really good at being kind of like a Jill of all trades, if you will, um, because <laughs> when you're on stage, you, you know, you're, you're improvising your dialogue. So you're writing the scene, you're acting, you're also like directing, you're making directorial choices. So I feel like teaching is just another one of those things where it's like, wow, if you, if you really think about all the roles that improvisers do, teaching is another one that kind of fits in naturally. So yeah, I love it when you're working with first time improvisers or people who are interested in trying out improv, what is your advice to those people on how to get started or what it's like? I'd say we already touched on one that's really helpful in scene work. And one of the biggest things for me is just like breathing. Um, if you really just breathe and really focus on your partner, you're going to have a good scene generally. Um, it, mm. It's when we start you know, expecting how the scenes are gonna, how the scene will go or anticipating where it should go or we're stuck on our, our idea instead of hearing our partner's idea. That's where scene, scenes kind of can fall apart or we get um, into a combative scene where we're like arguing or something. So I think like, yeah, that breathing. And then number two would just be like letting go of judgment, which is really hard because I think in our world, it's something that we learn. It's like a behavioral thing. We learn to judge in school. We get grades, all that stuff. And it's really hard to let go of. But I always say like, there's a place for judgment and there's a place for being critical. When we're in the scene, we just really want to try and be like present and just whatever our partner says or whatever we say, go with it. And I think part of the challenge there is less so People seem to be able to accept their partner's ideas usually pretty easily, but accepting their own ideas, it can be a challenge where people are like, oh, I didn't mean to say that, or I had this thought, but I didn't say it. And I'm always like, that's the, that's the perfect thing to say. Just say it. Like, yeah. really starting to trust your ideas, I'd say is like, is the next step. Thank you. Yeah, I think that applies to a lot of writing or any, you know, just trying to put yourself out there for any kind of creative endeavor. So... Then we'll move on to a bit about how improv is today with the state of the world that we're in. Do you mind telling us a little bit about how COVID has impacted improvising, teaching, and what you're doing today? Yeah, definitely. So it has been, as it has been for everyone, a very interesting um, six months. As you know, improv is a live art form. So we were challenged at the beginning of quarantine to make some choices about whether we wanted to just like cancel classes or run classes. And at Blind Tiger, we've been running digital classes. So online classes through Zoom. 
And at first I was like, this, this can't work. How can this work? But of course it can work. And as improvisers, like we have to practice being flexible and like figuring out problems and how to solve them. So I think one thing I've really been thinking about, I've seen a lot of like debate in the art world around whether like online shows or like in, in terms of theater or in terms of comedy, like whether they're worth doing, whether they're like, you know, the quality is lower or whatever. And to me, it's just like, if it makes people happy and it's like a bright spot in someone's week to either do it or to watch it, I just don't think that can be a bad thing right now. Like, yeah, we don't need to necessarily compare what it feels like to be in a packed theater <laughs> doing a scene on stage versus what it feels like on Zoom because I do think they're very different. But I also see like a lot of the skills do translate. So it's been like a really big learning curve for me <laughs> um, to be spending like hours and hours on Zoom every week as I'm sure it is for so many people um, versus being in person. And I think there is a really special quality to being in person, but I, I've been pleasantly surprised with what we've been able to achieve online. And I think like, you know, for like our intro one class for, for instance, like I feel like all the skills are there so whether you know people continue improvising online or in person i think they'll be able to translate those skills so i think overall it's been a great success um as an artist it's been like interesting to go from being pretty busy to just being like less busy yeah. and trying to navigate that um and then of course with the black lives matter movement it's been a lot of thinking and restructuring on like how who's in charge who's teaching how do we run classes how are we thinking about um social justice in terms of comedy and in terms of theater and i think yeah it's been a really i think overall a really hopeful time and, and a really positive time for some positive change but it's also been painful and stressful and i think it has been for many people but i'm very hopeful for the future of improv and seeing where we take it next you mentioned, you know, trying to think of who's in charge and being more conscious of creating inclusive, diverse environments. I found in our Improv One class, it felt very inclusive. It was really comfortable starting out in. How do you try to foster those kind of environments? That's a great question. I think, I mean, it's something that I've been thinking about for a very long time. Um, like when I started improvising, I was one of the only women in a company of like 40 mostly white men so mm. i think we have come a long way and i i know there's way more work to do but um i think there has been a lot of positive change and i think for me it comes down to thinking about different levels right it, it comes down to not only like who's in charge who's teaching who's directing and we need more um diverse voices in those positions. Um, you know, I'm a cis white woman. I'm very privileged and I think we need more people uh, to, to do this work and we need to give space for people to do this work. So on that level, I think change is coming and I'm very excited for that. And I also have been thinking a lot about like, you know, if I get invited to a festival, asking them like, who else is on the bill? And if it's like, all white people <laughs> being like hey maybe you shouldn't invite me and really trying to actually like give that space or like put that pressure on people to think differently about how they um cast their festivals and that kind of thing and then i think it comes like all the way down to like 
it, it goes from like how we structure like administrative stuff all the way down to what happens in scenes. And that's something that like came up in our class, not a ton, but a little bit, just like mm. what happens when someone makes that offer that is like biased or is stereotypical? How do we deal with that in the class? And eventually like the next step when you're not in a class is like, how do we deal with that on stage? And I've been yeah. thinking about that a lot, mostly from the perspective of being a woman and misogyny, um, but really trying to like use tools on stage. Like there's this, this is a wild story that I, I often tell, but um, I, was, I was doing a show, I was filling in on a duo show. I wasn't supposed to be in the show. Okay. Um, and there was an improviser um, visiting uh, and he was a white guy. And so I jumped in the show with him and in a scene, he called me uh, the C word. I don't know if I should say it <laughs> on your Oh podcast. my gosh. And, uh, which, and, and just at our theater in Edmonton, everyone, the audience was just like, <gasps> like, yeah. Just, I think maybe also culturally, maybe who knows in a larger center, maybe that would just be fine to say on stage, but at least in Edmonton, you know, people were very like, <gasps> we're so polite. We would never like say that. So they were a bit, the audience was a bit like uncomfortable. And so yeah. we like edited and we jumped to two new characters. And I started the scene by being like, I can't believe she called you that or whatever, like trying to reframe what he said. And then he was like, I know, I can't believe it either. Like what a terrible thing to say. So you got to have this discussion about him using that language uh. and like kind of debrief it. And he agreed with me and we were able to kind of like work through that moment. And so I think like- But on stage. But on stage, yeah. <laughs> and so I think that's one really cool thing about improv is that if something happens, like the next moment we can talk about it, like either as the characters yeah. did it or different characters. And we can actually have that dialogue like with and in front of the audience. So I think those moves take bravery. And I'm always really yeah. happy to see people be like, in a scene, be like, hey, that's a stereotype. I'm like, cool. Like that's how we actually can work through like some of these challenges on stage. And also I think like, empathetically approaching it where it's like sometimes stuff comes out that you don't logically want to say or you don't want to present as yourself but that is part of yourself and that's a bias that lives in you and so I think like being empathetic with yourself and also being empathetic with others and being like okay you may not have wanted to say that <laughs> terrible thing you did say it though so we need to talk about it and we need to just work through it and as long as we see it as like that's the work and it's our job to like you know m make it better or at least talk about it then I feel like it's not that scary <laughs> yeah for me like but I know, I know that a lot of people are afraid of improv because they're like, what if I say something? Like, what if I, and it's kind of like, you might. But like, I, I, I don't know. There's something that for me has really like transformed where I'm like, those conversations used to really like frighten me. And I feel like the last like five or 10 years have been really me being like, no, no, it's fine. It happens all the time. We can talk about it. And then we all get to just kind of move forward, especially if we're like an ensemble working together and get to move forward like in a better state of understanding each other so yeah yeah and that's probably quite interesting for the audience to get to watch 
that dialogue between you and the improviser who called you the C word to then go to the next scene and be talking about it right in front of everybody. I think that's quite open and, and good to watch. I think that's helpful for everyone to see like, okay, well now we can just have this conversation where that person admits that was not good. Yeah, totally. <laughs> the audience is like, we love it. Like, and <laughs> yeah. kind of got like both of us back on their side where they're like, okay, good. They noticed that that was a, like a tough moment or whatever and yeah and part of it is just like being aware of like oh my gosh that was like a there's a tension there now and then how do we diffuse tension and that really is what comedy is is like building tension and diffusing tension building tension and diffusing tension so I don't know it all kind of fits together for me even though it feels like I know some people would be like you're not supposed to judge ideas so how can you you know say something is a stereotype or whatever but I'm like I don't know, we live in a world like improv doesn't happen in a vacuum. So yeah, what we do carries meaning and we need to deal with it as it happens. How have you found that improv has shaped the way that you talk to people or just the way that you go about in your daily life? I think uh, practicing improv has made me more available to like try things in my heart of hearts. Don't like that at all. Like <laughs> I'm someone who loves, I love like plain pasta with butter like I'm the most boring person <laughs> but, but I think improv has made me be like okay yeah okay uh, that cheese looks really strong but I'm gonna try it oh I don't like it or I do like it or whatever so much of our society you know the first impulse is always no people will be like oh do you want to come camping with us this weekend like some acquaintances or something and I think my old self used to be like no no I'm I'm good I, I don't and now I'm just like yeah okay like, I don't know, why not? So I'm definitely more open to embracing like new things and trying new things, which I love. The other thing is, I think it makes me more curious about other people. So when I'm talking to someone, like I genuinely feel curious about like, what makes this person tick? Like, who are they? What's up with them? And so I even find like small talk at like a networking thing or at like post-show reception or something. I find it so much easier because I'm just able to like, ask good questions and like get excited about whatever the person's saying which I think is something that improv really trains which is like be excited about what your partner's saying and genuinely be curious about it um so I feel like it's really helped me in that regard too it made me really curious about my environment I think it made me very curious about the mundane and made me a lot more observant because it was things that I example when you would say okay um make yourself a tea you start thinking about, oh yeah, what are the steps that I take to make myself a cup of tea? And then you really start to just notice the little things that you do in your life or conversations that you have with other people, because it also then can help fuel what you use in improv. You can pull from that inspiration when you really are paying attention to those details. Um, so yeah, I found that it just helped me focus more on everything a, a bit. Like everything kind of got this like new attention of looking at it from the eyes of, oh yeah, how could, how would this look like in improv or how would I act this out, this thing that I do every day that seems so normal to me? Yeah, totally. And also I think just tied to that is like, boring things are interesting. Like things that we perceive as like, oh, my life's so boring. It's like, it's not boring. It's not boring to anyone. Like if you watch a film and there's just a person sitting in a chair, there, there's tension there and you're like riveted. So yeah. I think also reframing our lives as like, yeah, I don't know, like they are exciting. There is stuff going on um, and not always thinking of 
you know, the, the feeling of like the grass is always greener or like, oh, that person's so successful and I'm not, but really just being like, I'm in the moment, I'm doing me, I love making this cup of tea <laughs> or whatever. And just like kind of embracing that. Yeah, I think it really ties to like, improv is so much about like being in the moment and like being okay with what's happening in the moment. Yeah, definitely, definitely. To wrap up, do you have any kind of exciting projects that you'd like to share or anything that you're excited about? Maybe let's talk about Blind Tiger a little bit. At Blind Tiger, we just launched a new semester and we'll have online classes uh, until we can meet in person. And we're even looking into some options for like how we can meet in person in a socially distanced, like safe way. So thinking awesome. about big spaces and airflow and all that stuff. So hoping to have some things coming down the pipes in the new year around that. And hopefully back to some in-person classes whenever that sweet vaccine shows up. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, we have classes at Blind Tiger for improv and for sketch comedy. Um, I also love sketch comedy. I don't teach it, but I, I do have a sketch duo and we write um, very strange, esoteric sketch comedy <laughs> called Gossamer Obsessions. And you can follow us on Facebook or on Twitter. Uh, and yeah, otherwise, I'd say if you want to track me down, um, I'm at Blind Tiger and I'm also involved with the Vancouver Improv Festival, or organizing that every fall. So yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Amy. I really appreciate you again being here and taking the time to chat. Awesome. Thanks, Ida. Thank you again to Amy Shostak for talking to us. Um, I know for sure for me, I took so many of her lessons when she was going through improv and can relate that to my own life and my own journey. Definitely. I felt the same, especially where she was talking about wanting to say yes to more experiences. I think that's something that fear will stop me from a lot or self-doubt. So I think it's just a great practice of taking improv and just saying yes to things and then seeing how things unfold. First of all, I love that she has a clown teacher and I love the yeah. lesson that the clown teacher told her that you're only as ready as you'll ever be in that moment before a show. For me, I'm always like working on a story and I always feel like I need to do more research. I need to do more interviews. But like if you have a deadline coming up, you just need to start. And at some point, you can always have more information, but at some point you just need to get the work done. And that's one lesson I can really take from that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we all need a clown teacher after that. <laughs> uh, I really did love that point. And just to really start embracing your ideas, just the way that you would a friend's or if somebody else wanted to start some sort of creative endeavor or a business or whatever it may be, we're so encouraging. But then when it's ourselves, there's so much resistance to get going or a lot of doubt that comes up or questioning your abilities. I know I question myself all the time and when people are like impressed with anything I do I'm always like so surprised even though I have qualifications I still just feel like I don't know what I'm doing I feel like the imposter syndrome is never gonna leave but you know the thing is I've talked to so many people like successful journalists or people who are like doing really well and they feel the same way and one thing I also love is that Amy and Blind Tiger have taken lessons from the Black Lives Matter movement and they're applying it to their own organization. Um, for example, what she said, where even applying those lessons to what material is being used as in a scene and really interrogating that, I really like that. Yeah, I really did appreciate that. And it's just great to see organizations actually really interrogating their own structures and not just saying they will or paying lip service. 
If people want to find more about Amy and Blind Tiger, where can they do that? Yeah, great question. So you can find more details on Amy and her work at amyshostak.ca. You can also find improv and sketch comedy classes that she teaches along with other comedy professionals in Vancouver at blindtigercomedy.ca. And to follow Amy and her sketch duos, we have shared her social media and links in the description. And then you can find us on YouTube, SoundCloud, Instagram at Future Voices Co. Thanks for listening to Future Voices. We'll see you next time.